0: To extend a warm word of welcome to each one gathered in this evening, as we come together uh, to worship the Lord, and we're going to turn in our hymnals to hymn number 16, uh, the hymn 16. We thank Kristen for uh, playing before the service, and we thank uh, Jean uh, for playing uh, during uh, the service as well. And uh, we're going to sing hymn 16: To God be the glory, great things He hath done. So loved He the world. That he gave us his son. Hymn number 16, we'll stand as we sing, please. Be seated, and we're going to turn in the Word of God to Hosea chapter 13, Hosea chapter 13. So we have Ezekiel, Daniel, and then Hosea, and Hosea chapter 13. We'll read the first four verses together. Isaiah 13, beginning at verse 1, When Ephraim spake trembling, he exalted himself in Israel, but when he offended in Baal, he died. And now they sin more and more, and have made them molten images of their silver and idols according to their own understanding. All of it the work of the craftsmen. They say of them, let the men that sacrifice kiss the calves. Therefore they shall be as the morning cloud, and as the early dew that passeth away, as the chaff that is driven with the whirlwind out of the floor, and as the smoke out of the chimney. Yet I am the Lord thy God, from the land of Egypt, And thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no Savior beside me. Let us draw attention to that fourth verse again. Yet I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt, and thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no Savior beside me. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. If you have the bulletin, you'll see that our subject tonight is connected to this truth. Uh, there is a living and true God, and uh, that God is our only Savior. And we see that truth outlined here in Hosea 13 and verse 4. Now let us unite together in prayer. Let us seek the Lord as we come and meet with him. Let us pray. Eternal God and Father in heaven, we thank thee. We can look to thee this evening that we can draw aside from our activities to meet with our God and to worship Thee in spirit and in truth. And Father, we thank Thee for this reminder that Thou art the only God, that Thou art the only Savior, and uh, we rejoice tonight that as Thy people our hearts are fixed upon Thee and uh, that we know. On whom we have believed and am persuaded. And we rejoice tonight in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank Thee for He who died for our sins and rose again for our justification. And we thank Thee tonight when we consider salvation and the need of our souls and uh, the need that we have for the forgiveness of sins. We thank Thee, O God, that we can look to no one else but Thee. We rejoice that the answer to that great need of mankind is Thee and our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. And Father, we realize tonight uh, that our land, our province, uh, we leave it before Thee, knowing that there is much sin and iniquity, that in every hand sin and wickedness doth abound. Uh, But, O God, we cry to Thee that Men and women would realize that there is a God in heaven, the only God, the living and true God. And that they would turn from sin, turn from their wicked ways, turn from the way of the flesh unto the way of God. And we thank Thee, Father, that we as a church here have a gospel to proclaim, a gospel to preach, a gospel to sound out to those who are dead in trespasses, And in sins, and we pray, Father, that thou would enable us as a congregation to go forth with the glorious gospel of Christ, to not be ashamed of the Savior, to not be ashamed of what he has done for us. And we pray that we would know thy grace as we seek to serve thee. We do pray for our needs here, and we lay the needs of this congregation before thee. And throughout this week, we pray for thy blessing. We pray for thy blessing on Wednesday evening uh, during the time of prayer and study. Uh, bless uh, our brother as he takes that meeting, we pray. We do ask thee for traveling mercies as we go to the week of prayer this week in the United States. Bless, we pray, at that time with the brethren. Father, we look to uh, next Lord's Day when we will consider uh, that Thanksgiving weekend. And that great subject of thanksgiving. And we rejoice that great is thy faithfulness. We rejoice, O God, that we can depend upon thee. And as thy people we have much to thank thee for. We pray that thou would prepare our hearts this week to receive thy word. Prepare our hearts to rejoice in all that thou hast done for us. Give us opportunities to serve thee. And Father, may... And we know our needs being met. We do remember our sister congregations. And we think of the work in Phoenix. And they're in Calgary. That are without pastors at this time. Father move there. Lead and guide. Burden men. To go forth in thy work. Burden thy people. For the man of thy choosing we pray. And may thy will be done. We pray thou would forgive us for our sins. For our feelings. And Father. We ask thee for direction and instruction this night that we would live according to thy ways and according to thy truth. We thank thee for the Lord's table this morning. What a blessing it was to our hearts and our souls. And uh, we pray that as thy people we uh, would desire day by day to walk with thee, to examine ourselves and to live in light of what the Savior has done for us. Father bless us. Draw near to us tonight, may we know the outpouring of thy spirit here. Speak with hearts, speak with souls, do a work tonight. And for the honor and glory of thy name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to turn again in our hymnals to hymn 23. Uh, The hymn 23 Immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light, inaccessible, hid from Our eyes. The hymn 23 will stand again as we sing. Be seated, and we're going to turn in the word of God uh, to the hymn, or sorry, we'll turn in the word of God to Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. I was uh, looking for the next hymn here in the hymnal as well, uh, but we'll turn in the word of God to Isaiah 45. And. We'll read a selection of verses from this chapter, uh, commencing at verse number 5. And the Word of God says, Isaiah 45, the verse 5, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. That they may know from the rising of the sun... And from the west, that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Drop down, ye heavens, from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open, and let them bring forth salvation. And let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Let the potsherds strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioneth it, What makest thou? Or thy work he hath no hands. Woe unto him that saith unto his father, What begettest thou? Or to the woman, what hast thou brought forth? Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and his Maker Ask me of things to come concerning my sons, and concerning the work of my hands, command ye me. I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens, and all their host have I commanded. I have raised him up in righteousness, and I will direct all his ways. He shall build my city and he shall let go my captives not for price nor reward saith the Lord of hosts. And then move to verse 20. Verse 20. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together ye that are escaped of the nations. and They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. Tell ye... And bring them near, yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord, and there is no God else beside me? A just God and a Saviour, there is none beside me. Look unto me, and be ye seated, All the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. I have sworn by myself. The word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. That unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. Surely shall one say, in the Lord have I righteousness and strength. Even to him shall men come, and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified. and. Shall glory. Amen. And may the Lord bless uh, the reading of his precious and infallible truth to our hearts uh, this evening. At this point in our service, uh, we extend a word of welcome again to each one, uh, trusting the Lord's blessing to be upon us while we uh, gather uh, together tonight. <coughs> Do you remember on Wednesday, the 4th of October, p.m. We have a Bible study and prayer meeting in the basement and on Zoom. Our elder, Mr. Alan Samuel, will be responsible for that meeting. And if you're not on the email list for the Zoom link, then please contact me, and we can add you to that list and send that link to you. Next Lord's Day, the Sunday school for children in the basement, adults here in the main church, is at 9.30 a.m., And then our morning worship at 10.30am, it is the Thanksgiving weekend, and we will be considering a relevant message along those themes at that morning service. At 1.45pm, we have our Langley Lodge care home service there, and due to BC Health regulations coming in, we do ask those who are going to attend to wear a mask. I'm not asking that the home are, uh, they uh, sent an email this week to say that this regulation applies to them it applies not to the residents but to anyone who is visiting and that includes everyone associated with the church here who will go there next sunday uh, that is the only restriction and uh, certainly uh, do bear that in mind those who go uh, to that service 5 30 is the prayer meeting and then 6 p.m. the evening worship. Do remember Mr. Rosma and myself as we attend the Free Presbyterian Week of Prayer in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. From tomorrow through to Friday, we arrive back late on Friday evening in the will of God. And at the end of this service, we will be slipping away quite quickly. We have a flight to catch late this evening that gets us in there tomorrow morning in good time. And uh, so uh, do remember us as we leave uh, to go uh, to that week. Due to international roaming, uh, I'm asking that if you need to contact me this week, uh, then please email me. Uh, My cell phone will be off uh, because if I get roaming charges, I'm going to be in trouble when I get home. And uh, so do bear that in mind. If you need me, uh, do contact me and uh, do be in touch. We can perhaps maybe try to call you if we can, and maybe FaceTime or something like that. Uh, But if you email, then on the Wi-Fi, I will definitely get that and can respond uh, to you. We have a new church bulletin, as you can see, and the various uh, details are there. There's some uh, quotes from the Puritans, Spurgeon's Devotion, and some details about upcoming meetings, uh, the next men's breakfast, etc. And so we leave that there. Uh, I will mention the International Congress uh, that is taking place in Northern Ireland uh, from July the 1st to July the 5th next year. If you are interested in going, uh, then do uh, speak to me. It's a week of five meetings, and various men from our denomination here and our sister denomination in Northern Ireland uh, will be preaching. It will be broadcast online as well, Uh, but if you are interested in going and having fellowship, then do speak to me, and we can pass on. I have the relevant uh, details uh, for the hotel that they have, etc., and I can pass them uh, to you. Uh, So do remember uh, that in mind as well. These are all the announcements. They're subject to the will of God, and we're going to turn in our hymnals uh, to the hymn number uh, 71. And the hymn 71, My Redeemer, My Redeemer, oh what beauties in that lovely name appear. And we will remain seated while our tithes and offerings for the Lord's work are received, please. Hymn number 71.
1: Father, we come before Thee this evening and we give Thee thanks and praise. We thank Thee for taking care of all of our needs. We praise You for Your Word and for Your gift, and we ask that You would also take our tithes and offerings, that You would use them, that You would bless them, that the Gospel message may go forth. Blessed that it is preached in this house, blessed over the radio and over the webcast that it would touch hearts. We thank thee, Lord, for all your blessings to us. As we open your word, we ask that you would touch our own hearts, touch our ears that we may have listening ears, and touch our hearts that we would make the word would find root and grow in our own hearts. We thank thee, Lord, for all thy goodness to us. Bless us this coming week, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Well, it's time to sing the final verse. Verse 4, when in heaven I see thy glory. Verse 4, please. Seated. I'd like to thank Jean uh, for playing again this evening. And as I've said before, it's good uh, to see uh, the uh, younger generation helping out and uh, serving the Lord in uh, this way. And I know as a congregation, we enjoy seeing it, uh, we enjoy hearing them play, and uh, there'll be plenty more, I'm sure in uh, the weeks, months, and years uh, that lie ahead. We enjoy our brother Charlie playing as well. I should say that too. Uh, We enjoy him, and uh, it's good to have him as well as the younger ones also. Uh, We're going to turn in God's Word uh, tonight to Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. want to draw your attention this evening to verse 22. We did read a selection of verses, and there in those verses we had uh, some of those truths uh, concerning the living and true God of heaven. And uh, verse 22 uh, sums up a lot of what we have here. And uh, we're coming again to our series on the short catechism, uh, preaching uh, the truths uh, that are contained in that catechism. And not necessarily a theological lecture on each particular truth, uh, but rather uh, coming at it uh, from a more uh, preaching sermon uh, style. And uh, we come tonight uh, to uh, the catechism that denotes uh, that there is a living and true God, one God. And I want to draw your attention to verse 22. And that verse simply says, look unto me and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Let us unite together in prayer. Let us ask for the blessing of the Lord upon his precious word tonight. Let us pray. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we rejoice tonight in thy word. We thank Thee, we can read it. We thank Thee uh, that uh, we have the freedom this evening uh, to read Thy truth, to preach Thy truth, to praise Thy name. We do thank Thee, Father, for uh, those who have helped play this evening, those who have assisted and helped us in our praise of Thee. Bless them, we pray, and use them and continue to use them in Thy service. Father, we do look to Thee this evening for help and for grace. We pray for Thy Spirit to come upon us, uh, that uh, the distractions of other days, our concerns and our worries would be set aside as we come now to consider Thy truth. And may we see Christ in all His glory. And may we have emphasized to our souls the importance of these truths. That there is one God, the living and the true God of the Bible. Father, apply thy word to our hearts. Glorify thy name. And we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. On Sunday, January the 6th in the year 1850, this young man made his way to church through a snowstorm in England. I believe I may have related something of this story to you in the past, but the storm became so bad that he had to divert down a side street for shelter. He came to a small church, what was called a primitive Methodist chapel. There was a dozen or 15 people inside. The minister was snowed in and did not arrive. And so a thin-looking man got into the pulpit. He was a shoemaker or a tailor or had a similar occupation as the story goes. And the young man that went into the church that day, he narrates this story and he said that now it is well the preacher should be instructed. But he said this man, his words, this man was really stupid. He was obliged to stick to his text for the simple reason that he had little else. And of course, we can understand that a man who was not trained to preach, a man who was thrust into the pulpit at the very last minute, had to lead the service, had to have a text, very little time to prepare. And his text was what we have in verse 22 Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. The young man said he did not even pronounce his words right, but he said that didn't matter. There I thought was a glimpse of hope for me. A glimpse of hope for me in that text. The preacher began, my dear friends, this is a very simple text. It says, Look. Now looking, don't take a lot of pain. Anyone can look. Look unto me, I am sweating great drops of blood. Look unto me, I am hanging upon the cross. Look unto me, I am dead and buried. Look unto me, I ascend into heaven. And he cried out, O poor sinner. Look unto me. He lasted about 10 minutes. He looked under the gallery in the church, the balcony at the back, and he saw this young man there, a stranger, and he said, young man, you look miserable, and you'll be miserable in life, and you'll be miserable in death if you do not obey my text. But if you obey now, he said, this moment you shall be saved. Young man, he said, look, look. Look to Jesus. You have nothing to do but to look and live. And that young man came that Sunday morning. He trusted Christ as Savior. It wasn't his plan to go to that church. He was diverted because of the weather. It wasn't this man's plan to preach. He had to preach because of the weather. But God brought the two together. And that young man trusted Christ as Savior. We see the wonder and power of God. Using feeble Instruments, using stupid instruments to use the language of this young man. We say that respect- respectfully. And the young man's name, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, we know who he is. We've maybe read something of his work. And we may have read his sermons. We may have read his devotions. I'm not sure if someone's old enough to have heard him preach. I don't think so. But we know who he is. We've read his work. We've been blessed by it. The Christian church has much to thank the Lord for, for this young man's salvation. And this was the text that was used. A simple text, but a text that has great depth and great meaning. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. And in this passage, God has been inviting the Jews to salvation. He extends the offer to the ends of the earth, He invites the world to the hope of salvation. And that command is very simple. It's a command to lurk and a command to be saved. Heathen nations, the Jews, Gentiles were all to come and be commanded to come to Christ for salvation. And salvation, as the text says, can only come from God alone. Can only come from God alone. And this is the message our land needs today. This is the message the world needs. That salvation, the saving of our souls and the forgiveness of our sins is found in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. We are today living in what many describe as a post-Christian nation. Christianity has come and by a large extent Christianity has gone. But there is a small remnant left and our nation... And the majority of nations in the Western world have abandoned God and Christian principles and faith. And the religious landscape is littered with gods and idols of man's own imagination. But yet we must look back to the Westminster divines. That's where our catechism comes in. They remind us of the reality of God's existence. They remind us of what uh, this preacher was telling Spurgeon from the pulpit that day. There is one God... And one saviour. And you're to look unto him for salvation. We are those who are monotheists. We believe in one God. Now we believe in the three persons of the Godhead. The Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost. But these three are one God. We'll come to the Trinity in a short time. On another occasion. The short Catechism question five asks this important question. Are there more gods than one? Are there more gods than one? Paganism has many gods. When Paul went to Mars Hill and he stood there in Athens, he noted that they had shrines and altars to many gods. He noted in that chapter that this city was given to idolatry. It moved his heart. He wanted to do something about it, and he did. He preached the gospel of Christ. His heart was moved when he saw false religion. And the question is, are there more gods than one? And the answer given by the Westminster divines in that short catechism, there is but one only, the living and true God. There is but one only, the living and true God. What an important question that is. We've those here who I believe have learned that answer, that question in Sunday school. And it's an important question. Are there more gods than one? Do we believe in other gods? We think of Baal in the Old Testament. And we think of Dagon and all these other gods that men bowed down to and men worshipped. Gods of silver and gold and stone and gods of the sun and moon and stars. And gods of every figment of man's imagination. Are there more gods than one? Real gods, living gods. There is but one only, the living and true God. And that narrows down Christianity. That narrows down biblical Christianity to one God. And that is what we have here in the book of Isaiah. I am God and there is none else. You see, in this world today, there are many gods. As a Christian, you should believe in many gods. You may wonder, has the pastor lost his mind? But I remember our brother, the Reverend Reggie Kimbrough. He was here at the ordination service. And I remember him coming to Northern Ireland on a few occasions over the years. I was his chauffeur. And I took him to different churches to speak. And this message really burned on his heart. He wanted to preach it. And on a number of occasions, he did. Why a Christian should believe in many gods. He hadn't lost the plot. I haven't lost the plot. But what does that mean? It simply means... There are idols. We should believe that there are many gods. We should believe there are idols. And be aware that these idols and these gods can take our hearts and deceive us. And take our attention away from the living and true God of heaven. Gods of our own imagination. Gods in this world. Gods in religion. And our minds can be taken away from the God of scripture by all these many gods. And idols that our heart can invent. I believe it was one of the Puritans who made a statement like this. That the heart of man is a factory of idols. It produces idols. It produces those things that take our attention away from the God of heaven. And so dear congregation tonight, when we come to this catechism, there is but one only, the living and true God... And we look at it in light of the text that we have here. This is a truth that our society needs to be reminded about. This is a truth our church needs to believe and practice. That there is but one only, the living and true God. And we're reminded of this truth. And it reminds us as well of the importance of salvation in light of there being one God. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is None else. And so tonight I want us to consider very simply our living and true God. Our living and true God. There are three points, and you see that in the bulletin. Very first, firstly, and very simply, our God exists. Our God exists. That is what the Westminster divines believed. That is what Scripture teaches. We see Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God. God was there. The Bible relates to us the history of the world based upon the fact that God exists. There's much we could say about God. The Godhead is a great mystery. There are things we can never fully understand or even answer. But the Lord here is pointing out that he is the only true God. The only God of this world. Man will have his gods. Man will make his gods. But they are false. We remember Elijah standing on Mount Carmel. And there he challenged the prophets of Baal. He challenged them to call down fire from heaven. And uh, they cried and they cut themselves. And their God was not answering. And their God was not hearing their cry. They were pleading with their God to answer. And there was nothing. Because their God might have had ears, but he couldn't hear Eyes, but he couldn't see. A false God of man's imagination. But what did Elijah do? He called onto the living and true God of heaven. And what happened? The fire came down. God answered. God displayed to the crowd on that mount that day that there was one God. One God. The living and true God. Not Baal. Not anybody else but him. Him. And that is the message we see throughout the scriptures. One God, one living and true God that exists. That exists. And the great sin of man throughout the years has been that of idolatry. From the dawn of time, man has wandered after lusts and desires. Man has turned away from the God of heaven. Man has cleaved after his own gods. Men have raised up blocks of stone and wood. To worship everything else but the living and true God of heaven. I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. The children of Israel had been in Egypt. They have come out of the slavery of Egypt. And how did Egypt worship? They had false gods. You can go into the history of ancient Egypt, into its mythology. And you find one God after another, after another. They believed in many gods, gods of the underworld, and all sorts of things. And the experience of God's people was that they were in a land where this was accepted, where this was believed, where this was practiced, but yet they were taught there is one God. And when the Ten Commandments were given, the Ten Commandments emphasizes that they were going into a nation. And to conquer the land of Canaan that was an ungodly nation with idols. They came from a land of idols. And the Lord is reminding them, verse 2 of Exodus 20, I am the Lord thy God which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, first commandment. Thou shalt not make unto thee any grief and image. make unto thee any grief an image. I shall not bow down myself to them. And so these two commandments emphasize to us and to the children of Israel there is one God and that God exists. And they are to believe in that God and they are to follow that God. If we move back to Isaiah chapter 45 uh, we see here uh, that The Lord says, I am God and there is none else. He alone. He alone. He alone. Now, we could think of all the reasons why there is a God, all the theological reasons why God exists. We can think of the figments of man's imagination and what man has created. But the truth is that our God exists. This world had to have a beginning. And that beginning is God. When we look at ourselves and we look at the wonder of our bodies, when we look at ourselves and think we look absolutely terrible, how could we be designed uh, by a sovereign God? Uh, But we are. We are. I remember going to a conference one time connected to Answers in Genesis. Uh, There's a doctor there, I believe he's passed away recently. But he, Dr. David Menton, if I believe his name was, and he showed us these microscopic images of an eye. And he zoomed right into the eye. And you saw what seemed to be palette after palate after palette stacked on top of each other. I'm not into medicine. I'm not into biology. But it was a marvel to see that this was the human eye. And it looked like a Walmart warehouse where they had all the pallets stacked up perfectly. It was amazing to think that such a thing existed. And it existed in me. And existed in my eye. And that's only a little, little tiny speck of how marvelous our bodies are. Of how wonderful. We are faith, fearfully and wonderfully made the Word of God says. Oh, we are evidence that there is a God. When we look at the Scriptures, the Scriptures are evidence that there is a God. This world had to start from something. But this is what man denies. Man denies there is a God. Man denies this God exists. And by doing so, God is taken Off the throne of man's heart. Man takes himself and sets him upon his throne, his own throne. Man now is his God, his own God. Man now dictates as to what he does. Man is his own boss because if he comes to that conclusion in a sinful and deceitful heart that God does not exist, well, there must be some sort of authority. That authority must exist, and it is his own. Or the authority of another individual. God is set to the side. And as God is set to the side, man does everything he wants. We think of Genesis chapter 6 and how man sinned against God. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil and corrupt and wicked. Why? Because he was on the throne of his heart. God had been set aside. Oh, tonight, who is on the throne of your heart? Is it the God who exists? Is it the God of heaven? Is it the God who in his word says, I am God and there is none else? Is he on the throne of your heart? Is your heart, your life given to him, devoted to him because of Christ and because of the Savior? There's a living and true God and this God exists. But I want you to see, secondly here, (coughs) That our God is the one true God. The one true God. We've touched on this already to a certain extent. But let us dig a little deeper and consider Deuteronomy chapter 6. And here the word of God says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And that verse instructs us, verse 5 I believe is there as well, it instructs us on how we are to approach the God of heaven. There is one God. So what does that mean to us? What does that mean to you? Well it means we are to love that God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might. And that is the command not merely to Israel but to us. To love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, with all our being. We're to love him because he is the one true God. Deuteronomy 4 39 says, Know therefore this day and consider in thine heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath. There is none else. There is none else. He is the true God. The only true God. Thomas Watson makes the point about the infinity of God. He says there cannot be two infinite beings. The God who fills this world. There cannot be two of them. There must be one. There must be one. In Isaiah 44 verse 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. And beside me there is no God. And when we think of this truth of one God, if there is one God, that excludes every other God, every other idea of deity in the imaginations of men. Ephesians 4, verses 5 and 6 tell us, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all, And that verse is teaching us that there is one God and therefore there is one faith. And let me emphasize that, one true faith. One God, one faith. One God, one true religion we could say to use that terminology. And man will say there are many gods. The gods of Hinduism and uh, gods in other religions and other faiths. And all these paths lead to salvation. They have their path and their gods and their salvation. And we have ours and this person over here, well, they have their own faith and their own way of salvation. But what does the Word of God teach us? There's one Lord, there's one God, there's one faith, there's one baptism. There's one way, one true God. And that is what biblical Christianity teaches and biblical Christianity stands against any other idea, any other ideology, any other religion that does not have God, one true and living God, one Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, as revealed in the Scriptures, the very center of that faith. That faith is not based or 120% if we want to emphasize it, upon the word of God, it cannot be the true faith because the true faith is built upon Scripture. It's built upon the living and true God. Man declares there is no true God, but to deny the reality and existence of God is to sin. It's to be foolish. The psalmist said the fool hath said in his heart there is no God. And where do you stand tonight? Do you believe in the true God? Do you believe in the living God? Do you believe that the God of heaven created this world? That the Bible and what it says about God and creation is true. And if you do believe that, what about the next step? God has created you. You've sinned against God. Man has sinned against God. What if your sin? What if you're sin? There is one true and living God and man has sinned against that God. Is that where you stand tonight? Living in sin? With a sinful heart? With a sinful life? Rebelling against the God of heaven? Oh, if you believe there is a God... Turn to him for salvation. Look to him. Look unto him and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. But Dear believer, tonight, how are we to approach the fact that there is one God? We're saved, we're redeemed. Therefore, we're to love that God above all else, for there is one God. We're to make sure in life we serve that God. And we hurt him first. Colossians speaks about Christ having the preeminence, putting Christ first, living for the Savior. He's first in all things. We considered some time ago man's chief end to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Therefore, if there is one true God, we must glorify Him in all that we do. We must honor Him. We must be careful of setting up idols. Idols in our hearts, idols in this world, idols of things that are more important to us than the God of heaven. The psalmist said, Psalm 16, verse 4, their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Another God has took their mind and took their heart and they're running after another God. Their sorrow shall be multiplied because they're turning after The gods of this world. Believer, you must believe there are many gods in this world, and by God's grace, guard your heart. Guard your heart against being turned away. I could tell you off believers who, when it comes to the Lord's Day, despite being in churches that honor the Lord's Day and emphasize that we are to come and worship God on His day, we're to spend time in His presence. And we're to set aside our employments and our daily activities and our recreations and our entertainment and put God first. I could take you to believers who are in churches that teach those things as we do. And well, there's an exciting soccer game on television or an ice hockey game or something that they do not want to miss. And you know what? It's more important than God. More important than God. Nowadays, well, we can still have church because we can go on sermon audio and we can still listen to the service. We can listen to it while we drive. We can lie down and close our eyes and listen to it without paying much attention, of course. These things are more important than worship. And we need, if there is one true and living God, we need to have our priorities right. That's the important thing. We need to have our priorities right. What is more important to us in this world? Is God first and foremost? Oh, we won't miss the service. We won't miss worship. There are things that can come and things that are unavoidable and things that can cause us to miss. I'm not talking about those things. Ill health, etc. I'm talking about something else. Is there something entertaining? something that is taking your heart away something that you are running after and putting deliberately putting before god when you know that you can be at the house of god when you know you can be in his word when you know you can spend time with him he must be loved above all we must be careful of setting up idols being pleasure lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. If God is the only true God, then those who renounce His claim as the only true God are sinning against His holy name. The psalmist said, For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our God even unto death. Are you resting upon the true God? He's our God even unto death. The God of all comfort. The God of all help. The one who is living, the one who is true, and we who believe in him, the fact that he is living and the fact that he is true, it encourages our hearts. It lifts us up. He's our guide unto death. As we cross uh, that valley, as we cross the river of death, he's our comfort. He's our helper. We're resting upon the true God, the one true God. What a comfort that is, dear believer, to know you're resting upon the true God Is that the comfort of your heart tonight? That despite the changes in society, the changes in the world, the changes in your own life, there is a God that by Christ you are anchored to. That anchor will never break. And there is comfort. And there is grace that is sufficient. And there is help that comes to you because you're trusting the only God. The one, as we saw last week, has that power to help. The infinite Omnipotent God. Oh, we have much thankfulness here as the Lord's people because we know there is only one God and we have the knowledge of that true God. Are you living your life in light of there being the living and true God of heaven? What a comfort that would be. What a joy that is in our lives to know that and to live for this God. And then, thirdly and finally, we see that our God is the only Savior. Our God is the only Savior. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. We see verse 21 as well, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside, beside me. And what is the Lord doing here? He's setting out something exclusive. Something Exclusive. Something that only he can provide. Something only he can provide. Salvation. He is the only Savior. The only God. The only true God. The only Savior. He alone has the power to save. And this is what is being taught here. And young Spurgeon grasped this and understood this. He had struggled with knowing Assurance and struggled with knowing how to be saved. And this sermon from this man who had no training whatsoever, a simple, clear, plain message, he realized he just had to look to Christ. He just had to look to the Lord to be saved. Look unto me. Not a man, not a priest, not a church, but the God of heaven. The God of heaven. We often look to ourselves for help and salvation. We sometimes look to others, but salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. Dear unbeliever tonight, were you looking for salvation? Look to the Lord. He says that in his word, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. He alone can give pardon. He alone can save." There's not a universal offer or universal atonement here in the sense that everyone will be saved. There's a universal offer of the gospel. There's a difference. The gospel is offered to all. But not all will be saved. And the gospel is offered. And the gospel is preached to the ends of the earth. And they are instructed to look unto the Lord for salvation. And God uses four letters To tell us how to be saved. Look. Look. Of course we understand there's repentance and there's faith in Christ. There's believing upon him. But we look to him. We look to him. No one else can save. No one else can save. There's great encouragement to look because God commands it. There's a great promise of God. If you look unto me, you will be saved. What a promise. God's existence, God's character is all seen here. Reasons that give you assurance that if you look to Christ, you look to the Lord for salvation, you will be saved. There is but one God, the living and true God. Are you trusting in Him? Are you resting in Him for life, for eternity? Are you resting in Him for salvation? May you do so. May you look at this glorious God, this majestic God, this wonderful God. Place your faith and your hope of salvation in Him alone. Let's read our text again as we close. Look unto me and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. The exclusive Savior, none else. Tonight, if you desire to be saved, it is only Christ is the God of heaven, there's no other way, none else, none else but the God of heaven. May the Lord bless his word tonight for his name's sake, Amen. And let us pray. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we rejoice tonight in thy precious word. We rejoice in the marvel of thy gospel, that thou art the living and true God that thou art the only Savior, and that thou art the one who sent his Son into this world to redeem sinners. And we pray tonight, Father, that we as thy people would rest more strongly upon thee, rejoicing, and that we trust the living and true God. Father, may we look to thee with great faith, and may we look to thee knowing and believing that thou indeed art the Savior. We pray for those who know not Christ. Father, speak to their hearts, speak to their souls, draw them to the Savior. May they place their faith and trust in the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Father, draw nigh to us this evening. Be with us, meet our needs, glorify thy name. We pray for Christ's sake. Amen.